Welcome again. My name is Johnny. Part of the team here, uh, the lead of uh, this church, Trinity, and it's good to be with you. And let me just begin just with a word of congratulations. Well done for making it to church uh, in, in, East, uh, in Easter, in Christmas time. <laughs> Wrong time of year. Where are the bunnies? Christmas time. It's a busy time, isn't it? There's lots going on. Uh, you've done well. You've made it through uh, Black Friday. You've made it past Cyber Monday, some of you, if this is your tradition, have established a tree in your house. When, by the way, what other time of year would you spend upwards of 20 pounds, maybe even more, on a plant that's only going to be with you for three weeks? You've got through that. You've dressed your tree again, if that's your tradition. You've done that. You've, uh, you've decked the halls with boughs of holly and all the other stuff. And here you are at church. You're almost there. Maybe you've even begun your shopping. If you're really well planned, you have. Maybe if you're really well planned, you did it on Black Friday, um, for those who are particularly uh, well thought through. But you're not there yet, are you? There is one major obstacle in your way before you can fully relax into Christmas. And what is it? Yes, it's a general election. Well done. Next Thursday. Next Thursday, you have the opportunity to define the future. And you thought you'd come here to get away from it, to bury your head in the religious sands. And yet here we are, uh, reminded of the election to come. This, we're told, is an important election. We're actually told it's the most important election of a generation. Our future, so we are told, is at stake. And we're also told this is a time of real uncertainty. In fact, of unprecedented uncertainty. Where our future lies before us and all you and I must do is choose at the ballot box. There is great political uncertainty. What does the future of our nation look like? Will we indeed be part of Europe or not? If not, what does that mean for the future of the Union If so, what does that mean for the future of democracy? Just small questions. Next Thursday, we're looking to answer. Speaking of uncertainty, what about personal uncertainty? What does that mean for each one of us? What does that mean for the lives we've built, for our families, for our nation, for our personal future? This is a time of uncertainty. But speaking of uncertainty, spare a thought, if you would, for Mary. Spare a thought for Mary. Mary was somebody who knew great personal uncertainty, didn't she? Imagine being a young woman about to be married, carrying your first child, headed to a place you've never been before, heavily pregnant with a baby, heavily pregnant with worry, heavily pregnant with hopes, with dreams, with fears. Stress like this makes the thought of uh, an election seem like Child's play. You've got to walk to the ballot box. She had to walk to Bethlehem. For most of us, it's likely we can be assured of a home, a roof over our head this Christmas. Mary walked to Bethlehem with total uncertainty about what was ahead of her, whether there'd even be any place for her to stay. This journey, in one sense for her, was a throw of the dice, a walking into uncertainty. Her whole future was at stake, and here she'd been told that this child who she was carrying was to be the light. He was to be the king. Her life had been thrown thrown into 
turmoil, by this unplanned pregnancy, this divine pregnancy. But as well as the personal uncertainty she was facing, there was also great political uncertainty around her. Mary was part of this nation, Israel, who would experience political uncertainty for generations. When we pick up the story with Mary, we see a people in the middle of great trouble. They feel threatened and overwhelmed. The big, bad empire, Rome, has encompassed them, has overwhelmed them, has suppressed and oppressed them. For generations. But they're holding on to promises in the middle of the uncertainty. And the main promise that they're holding on to, the greatest promise that anyone has believed or hoped for in the whole of human history, is that at some stage in history, God would act that he would come into the middle of the uncertainty and that he would become present. He would show up in the middle of of it all. He'd show himself to be with his people. It wasn't a promise that was based on some kind of political manifesto, lower taxation, higher spending, don't cheer when you agree, higher spending, a functional national health service, Brexit, remain, revoke, or whatever else. It was a promise based on his presence. At the heart of the promise was that God himself would be present. You see, the whole story of the Bible reflected in this book, this thick, leather-bound book, is that God wants to be with his people, that there is no obstacle that you could place in his way that would stop him from coming to be with his people. That he is motivated out of the abundance and overflow of his eternal desire and love for the people that he made, and that he will bridge any gap to be present to his people, to a people who are marked by uncertainty, who are marked by doubt, who are marked at times by every single thing which is a manifestation of distance from him, anxiety, loneliness, sadness, anger, despair, Nice crime, injustice, social deprivation, a widening gap between poor and rich, mental illness, suicide. See, the story of the Bible is at the heart of all of these problems is one problem. And the secularists, they say that the problems we face today is that there's too much religion. And I contend with you this morning that the problem we face in our world is there may be too much religion, but there isn't enough God. There isn't enough of God's presence. And the world shakes and aches and quakes. For a moment when God would be present with his people again. And not just the specific religious few could benefit, but all people could experience what it feels like, what it is like to be reconnected with the one who made us. And the biblical contention, the story, is that what it feels like is peace. What it feels like is joy. What it feels like is hope. What it feels like is goodness and mercy and promise and love. It feels like coming home. And Mary, little, I was going to say little old Mary, little young Mary. 
Jesus captured in this big story. This big story that the readings that we read today have had read so far are getting into. The first one from John's Gospel begins like this. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. This beginning is not the beginning of the story of Israel. It's the beginning of the story of all creation. John goes back to the big beginning. It's a retelling of the story of how everything came to be. The story of creation, a short history of everything. And the big point that John is making in our reading is that creation is all about an explosion of light out of darkness. That's the story that John is telling. How does it happen? Well, before the light comes, we read that there's a word, a word who was with God and who was God. This refers to Jesus himself. This word was integral to the creation of the world. And there came a moment when the word became part of the world. There's lots of words and worlds here. Here's what it says of him later in that text. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. The promise here is that there's going to be a time when God shows up, when darkness is suddenly lit And the contention that John has is that in the person of Jesus, that that has happened. That has happened. Light has shone up and it looks like a baby in a manger in Bethlehem. Or to put it another way, as John does, the, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This is how God has come to reconnect himself with creation. This is how God has begun to show up, to be present to all people to reconnect, to bridge the gap of isolation and separation, to narrow the distance. He became one of us in the boy Jesus. And this event is like an explosion of light. It's like the creation all over again. For Mary, this explosion of light is such good news. Light is what she needed particularly in the darkness of her uncertainty. Light is what we all need, whether we're coming to an election, whether we're dealing with personal trauma or grief, whether we're bracing ourselves for putting up with our family again over the roast dinner. Light is what we need. And if you're on a long journey to an unknown destination with a man you've only recently met, and I'm not talking about Boris or Jeremy, Dad joke, what you need when you're struggling with uncertainty is some kind of promise to cling on to. And when the promise is that there's an explosion of light, you know you're going to be okay. And there it is, Mary, in this story, is heading in a good direction because the baby she's carrying is going to bring light to her and to the whole world. And the baby who she carried is here today to bring light to us. This promise is not just for Mary. It is for all people. We all need light. We all need connection, as Brené Brown has taught us. We all struggle with a problem of disconnection. And the problem of disconnection is not just from each other, though it is. It is from our creator, God himself, who is light and life, who was born, who was born into creation to bring light, to save us, to lead us, to guide us. This is the Christmas message, that the big long story of creation has moved into a new phase in the boy Jesus. Because God has come to be with us, he has shone a light into the midst of the darkness, 
Black Friday, light in the midst of that too. And this Jesus, who is light, has come to be our King, our Lord, our friend. What does that mean for us? You're going to have to wait for Amy to share that in a few minutes. So, as uh, Johnny was saying to us, the arrival of Jesus brings light. So I'm going to pick up this theme of light. And so what difference then does light make? Firstly, light shows us that we are not alone. That light shows us that we are not alone. I love the message version in the Message Bible of John 1.14, where it says, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. You know, when Jesus was born, God came close. When Jesus was born, God came close. You know, I read this um, statistics, uh, as you do the other day, um, of the Office of National Statistics that said, based on a survey of more than 10,000 adults, they found that about one in 20 were always or often felt lonely. You know, we are in a culture that are feeling more alone than ever before. And I was reminded of uh, this story the other day. Some of you will um, have heard about it, of, the, um, it, of that football team in Thailand um, that had finished tr- um, their match, and they were playing after training in a cave. And they were playing in this cave. Um, and as they were playing, the water began to rise. And they actually found that they were trapped in this cave. And they were in this cave, trapped in complete darkness for two weeks. I cannot imagine um, how that must have felt. But I was reflecting on this. And two weeks later, they saw a torchlight. And I was thinking what it would feel like to be in this dark cave and then suddenly see that first glimmer of light breaking into the darkness. And they knew, didn't they, in that moment, they knew that they were not alone, that help was on its way. And in Jesus, this is offered to us. It is actually his greatest promise. The greatest promise he, he says to us is that he is with us and that he will never leave us. Emmanuel, God with us. The psalmist writes in Psalm 23, even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil because you are with me. And, you know, life isn't breezy, is it? You know, life actually can be incredibly difficult. It can have some very challenging times, seasons that are up and seasons that are down. And for some, you know, Christmas, we think it's this jolly time. But for some, Christmas is really, really hard. It's a really challenging time of year and can actually make you feel more isolated and more alone. And, you know, this promise today, God's promise to us isn't a perfect life. He isn't promising us a perfect life, but he is offering us a true life and a life that can be lived with him always. And the good news is that in Jesus, we don't ever have to live a life alone anymore. We don't have to face the battles of life alone anymore. So Jesus brings light that we don't have to be alone. Okay, secondly, Light takes away fear. 
I'm sure many of you, uh, as I was, were afraid of the dark um, when you were a kid. Um, and uh, I, it was a funny story the other day that Johnny and I uh, were away, um, and my parents were looking after our children. And, uh, and my uh, youngest daughter, she has a habit of coming into our bed um, every night at 2 a.m. And she, little pitter-patter, pitter-patter, and she climbs over me and sneaks in between Johnny and I and goes back to sleep every single night. Um, and when we were away, my parents were sleeping in our bed, uh, and, uh, and I was thinking, oh, we should do it. But sure enough, 2 a.m., uh, she came and she got in between my mum and dad and went back to sleep. And uh, the next morning, my mum was telling me that she was asking um, her, she was like, why do you do this? Why do you, why do you come into the night? Why do you come into um, your mum and dad's bed every night? And she said, because I'm scared of the dark, but mummy's dark is not as scary. <laughs> Which I, th which I think was so sweet. But, you know, in that moment, I offer her the light in that situation. She trusts me as she lies down next to me. She's trusting that I'm going to keep her safe and she goes back to sleep. And, you know, we live with so many fears, don't we? So many, what if this happens? What if this happens? So many unknowns, so many uncertainties, as Johnny was just saying. But as we focus on Jesus, he begins to take away those fears. He begins to take away our fears as we trust him and as we lean into him. One of my daughters, uh, again, was talking about worry the other day. Um, and uh, she just had this great illustration. She was saying, I've got, I've got some worries, mummy. And she said, it's like, um, worry to me is like a big bubble in my mind. It's just a, a bubble of worries that bubble up in my mind. And when I talk to you, talking to, when I talk to you, mummy, about it, it's like the bubble pops and the worries go as I get them out, as I talk to them. And I think that that is a great illustration of what it looks like to give our worries and to give our fears to Jesus. He comes and he pops that bubble. And it sounds incredibly simple, but it can be very difficult, can't it, to actually give him our fears, give him our uncertainties. And that is what is on offer for us today, if we let him in. Okay, finally, light directs our path. We get lost without light, don't we? And uh, I was talking to a friend um, the other day that went on a camping trip, and uh, she was the organizer of this camping trip. Uh, and so she was taking care of all the supplies and the food. Uh, and so she had two tents. She had a tent uh, for herself, and she had a tent for all of her supplies. Um, and uh, so she put up her tent, filled the tent of all the supplies, um, and went to bed. Uh, the next morning, she got to uh, the tent to, try to go and get all the breakfast, to go and give to all the community that she was camping with. And she opened the tent, and on top of the Weetabix and the baked beans and all of the supplies was this lady just snoring her head off in her sleeping bag, just in the middle of this tent. <laughs> I think probably what happened is she was trying to make her way back to her tent, got completely lost, and fell asleep um, in this supply tent. You know, if we don't have light, we're liable to get lost, aren't we, in the darkness. You know, many of us are desperate for direction, we're desperate for clarity, we're desperate for meaning. You know, we all have questions. There are so many um, choices in life that can sometimes be incredibly crippling. But I think for many of us, 
The ultimate question is of purpose. You know, what is the point of all of this? What is the meaning? You know, why am I here? It can feel so hopeless when we don't have purpose. And, you know, this is my story. This is my experience. You know, when I was 18, I was at university, and I was utterly depressed, completely isolated, lonely, making bad choices um, all the time. You know, I'd spend um, hours in my room just on my own, just in real loneliness, just despair of what meaning and hope for my life um, looked like. And I was desperately trying to, you know, fill the emptiness and this sort of um, longing um, within me. I was um, addicted to the gym. I'd spent hours in the gym. You know, maybe that will make me feel like I've got a sense of um, identity. You know, I had a really unhealthy relationship with food. All of this was just bubbling away in my university years. Um, And a series of events, long story short, I found myself in Australia um, at a Christian conference. And, And I sort of got to the point where I was asking God, you know, come and make yourself known to me. If this is true, if this is real, if this is the reason for life, come and make yourself known to me. And in that moment, you know, he made himself known to me in a real tangible way. And I woke up the next day, and do you know what shifted for me was this sense of hope. I woke up, and I had purpose. I woke up, and I was like, There is meaning. I have a plan for my life. There is purpose and there is hope. And that was such a shift. It changed the trajectory of my life um, completely. And in my life, I have had ups and downs. I've had good bits. I've I've had difficult and more challenging bits of my life. But I can testify today that Jesus has always been with me. He has never gone away from me. He's always with me for whatever situation I'm going through. And he is taking away my fear. You know, it's not a one hit, you know, yeah, I'm totally fearless. But he is continually taking away my fear as I give him my fears. He is taking away my fears and he is directing us. I have found for me that Jesus is the best guide that I could possibly imagine that he already knows what's ahead of me. And so I'm asking him, come on, direct me, direct my path. You know what's best for me. And I'm asking for his direction. And you know, this Jesus that I'm talking about right now, not just the one I met when I was 18, but this Jesus is available now and he's available today. And more than that, as we read, John read um, in the Revelation passage, you know, that all that is currently broken will be made good. In the end, you know, Jesus will come back and he's going to make the whole thing good again, healed. Everything will be healed. And we read, I was going to read it. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eye. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And so this Christmas, you know, we aren't just celebrating a historical event that happened Or even waiting, you know, we're not in a waiting room, just waiting for that end that we read about in Revelation. We're not just um, waiting for it to happen, so we're just going to sort of crack on. You know, Christmas is about a person, and we celebrate a person at Christmas, and that person is Jesus. And he is the light, he is the ultimate light that wants to pour himself into every element and every part of our lives, every part of the darkness that we have in our lives. And so we are going to just spend a minute now, I think some people are going to come up, 
and they're going to play a song. And just in this time, I just would invite you to close your eyes. And we're going to ask the light. We're going to ask Jesus. You know, some of you will come from lots of different backgrounds. Some of you don't believe in Jesus at all. But maybe just take a risk right now and say, Jesus, if you're real, come and show yourself. Why don't you close your eyes? I'm going to pray whilst... I thank you that you know every single story in this room. You know the pain. You know the joy. And Jesus, we thank you that you are trustworthy and that you are good and that you are longing to come and be part of every part of our lives. And so, Jesus, we ask now that you would come and reveal yourself.